Welcome back to the Apostles Mailbox, where today we're talking about the real deal, genuine light. We're going to find this uh, genuine light in John chapter 1, where we've been studying. And as we begin, I, I want to um, share with you a little bit of a, there was a CBS show called Undercover Boss. Actually, I think they've finished 11 seasons. There might even be more forthcoming, uh, where a higher up in a company will go and work with some of the hoi polloi, the frontline workers, and they try to pull this off with a camera crew, of course, uh, following them around. So you wonder how much of it might be genuine or not. Uh, but the message is that you have somebody who's really, um, who's really got some sway or some uh, authority in the business, maybe even the founder of the business who's rubbing shoulders with people who just they don't know who they are uh, because the higher up is high enough up that the lower downs don't ever interact with them. And today we're going to see the, uh, the ultimate example, if you will, of that dynamic at work uh, when the, the means by which the universe was created descends into creation and uh, people, don't, people don't recognize it. So, um, Let's just read that together then, and we're going to do so in John chapter 1. So we left off last time at verse 5, and we'll pick up right where we left off. John writes, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." So if you've, uh, if you've seen this passage before, you're familiar with the flow of it, and we're just going to slow down. We're going we're gonna to take a look at what's going on here. So John, in his prologue to the gospel, he's preparing us uh, for what is coming ahead in the, in the body, uh, if you will, of the book of John, which is an account of Jesus' ministry and teaching here on earth. And John is preparing us for that with some remarks uh, in this chapter one is essentially a prologue. Um, and I, I woke up this morning actually with uh, John 20 verse 31 stuck in my head. Um, I'm just going to actually read it to you here. Uh, and it was just, it was like it was on repeat in my head. John says in John 20 verse 31, he says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so the message of the gospel of John, the reason that it's written, the reason we're reading all of this here is so that we would believe that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one, so that we would believe that he is the son of God and that by that believing, then we would have life in his name. And we see that, of course, here in the passage that we just read, didn't we? We said that to all those who did receive him, verse 12, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
And so you have these sort of bookends, if you will, of, of what's going on in the book of John. What John wants us to recognize is that Jesus is the promised Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, and indeed uh, the Son of God. So as we look at that here, we're going to run into this idea of, of light and a genuine light. Uh, but I wanted to begin actually with John because it's hard to see this, unfortunately, in your English translation. But in verse uh, 6 of John chapter 1, uh, I, I mentioned this a few uh, weeks ago, I think. Uh, there, is the, there is this contrast. There is two Greek words uh, that are translated was in this first chapter. Uh, one is the word an. Uh, which means uh, was, uh, and the other one is agenita, which means, which could be translated uh, became. Uh, it's this idea of being also. But what's happening here in verse 6, which you can't see, unfortunately, I think this is a, perhaps a mistaken translation, is John says, there became a man. There was a man is using this other form of the verb that, that carries with it this sense of becoming. And so John is going to make a contrast here. And since we don't read Greek, it's hard for us to see. We're reliant upon the translators. And unfortunately, they didn't translate in a way we could see it here in the English Standard Version. Uh, John says that there there became a man sent from God whose name was John. And he's referring to John the Baptist. He's not talking about himself at this point. He's referring to John the Baptist. And he said, John the Baptist became. Although John the Baptist was indeed sent from God, John the Baptist didn't exist before his birth. And then uh, God sent him into the world. You might see the contrast that's coming here, right? But there became a man and he was sent from God. And so John's sending is from, from God indeed, but he became, there became a man, we might read in the Greek. And, and the job, the job of this man who became, who was sent from God, he came to be a witness. He came to tell us about something or someone, specifically we're told, he came to bear witness about the light so that all might believe uh, through him. So, uh, John is pointing at something else. And Now, if you look ahead into Acts 19, if we fast forward way through the life of the early church, uh, there, is a, there is an encounter that the Apostle Paul has where he meets some disciples of John. They're, they're sort of, they're kindest, they're followers of God. They're, they're, they're described as disciples of John. They're people who follow John. They believe what John preached. They believe his message, uh, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit because they hadn't been baptized into the name of Jesus. They were baptized with John's baptism. And there seemed to be some indicator, perhaps, while this gospel is being written, that, uh, that John wants us to recognize that, that the movement that John started wasn't about John. It was the start of something that was pointing at Jesus as something greater. And so John's job was to bear witness to someone else. And so he very clearly points out here, we notice that, that he was not the light, right? Verse 8, he was not the light. John is not the one we're looking for. He came to bear witness about the light. All right, so here we have John then. John became, he wasn't prior, he became, and then he was sent by God. 
And then he wasn't the light himself, but he was a witness to the light. And now let's contrast this um, with the light itself. Okay, so as we continue to read in John 1, uh, in verse 9, we read this, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. All right, so you have John. He became, he became, and then he was sent by God on this mission. And then we turn to the light. And again, you can't really see this, uh, John starts verse 9 by saying, was the light the true light? And so the light didn't become into existence. The light was, was the light. So uh, literally in the Greek, it's phrased like, became a man sent from God, was the light, and it was coming into the world. And so there's this contrast. One of these things wasn't and then became. One of the things was and then entered into the earth or into the world. And so the light came. Now to John, when he talks about the world, he is typically speaking uh, not just about like the physical realm of existence, but he is talking about the world, including particularly the people of the world. So he enters not just into physical existence, uh, but he enters into the world. And so the, the light then, this true light that comes into the world already was. And I'm going to, I want to stress this to you, um, the, this, there's a phrase here, the true light uh, that is going to come up again and again and again in the book of John. So uh, John right here, he describes Jesus not as just a light, not as, as like one source of enlightenment or, or revealing for people, uh, but he reveals him as the true light. And there's two ideas that I think are important for us to get here. One is that in this time, it was, it was common to talk about... Um, or not unheard of to talk about light as in this sort of like enlightenment idea. It's something that helps you to understand and to see. And so there is a light that shines or gives light to everyone. And so John could be meaning that. It's also possible that it is a uh, light was also sometimes used to refer to the revealing of things. So there, it's possible that John is saying there is a light that is going to reveal every man that is that is going to show um, what truly is. Uh, but I think in this case, uh, if, the, if the question, of course, is that this is a light in verse 9 that gives light to everyone, then there is this sense in which Jesus gives understanding or offers understanding to everyone. Sometimes this, is, this idea is referred to as, as common grace, that that God reveals to people who don't deserve and who don't look, and that that this uh, this gift of understanding is given by God to everyone. Some people would agree that that this is what John is talking about. Um, other people might disagree with that. Uh, but if if it is the light that gives life to everyone, then in some sense, that uh, what Jesus has done. Um, reveals and gives people an opportunity, if you will, to understand something about what God is doing. Okay, so this light is coming into the world. It's also quite possible, 
perhaps even probable, uh, that the light shines on everyone. And we know that Jesus is the one who judges. He's the one who judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. He's the one right, who parses out, right, the sheep from the goats. He's the one who judges. And so it's possible that when this light comes in, God's revealing of truth and life, that it exposes, it exposes uh, what is in men's heart. So we'll, and we're not going to make any firm decisions on this, but it is an idea that we're going to file away because light's going to come up again and again as, as well through the book of John. But the other thing that I wanted to fix our attention on for a moment is this idea of it being the true light. It is the genuine light. It's not just another light. And, and John is going to use this word about genuine again. He's What he's not saying here is he's not saying that Jesus was a literal light, like he shines photons on people, like he's a he's a true light, like a light bulb that that you know floats around in the air. Uh, he's saying he is the genuine, he is the real deal, he is the genuine deal. And so later on in John, uh, Jesus is going to be called the true vine, for instance. He's going to call himself uh, the true bread. And so this word, this idea of being true, of genuine, the thing of, of deepest substance, if you will, is, uh, is who Jesus is. Okay, so, so when Jesus comes in, he is like, he is the legit, deepest, truest, fullest light. And for this reason, I think we're talking about not just judgment, but I think we are talking about Jesus being the one who offers understanding and truth uh, to everyone. Okay, so notice then here uh, that he is in the world, and although the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So we're to our undercover boss thing, if you will. So, so um, this light coming into the world, as we saw in verses 1 through 3, was connected to this idea of the Word. The Word and the light. And now the light is coming into the world. We're into the world. And John tells us the world was made through it, this pronoun. Um, and what we're told uh, was made through it uh, was in verse 2 or sorry, in verse 3, was the Word. So, uh, the Word, the, the Logos, everything was made through the Logos, and, and uh, what was made in the Logos was light, and this light is coming to the world, and the problem is that the world doesn't recognize it. Like, the undercover boss who comes in and works with you, you don't know who he is, he's too far removed from you, perhaps you don't recognize him. And so, there's an indictment here, from John of like, your very existence, everything about you, you're created in the image of God, right? And and that which that through which you were created comes in and it and it lives with you and you don't get it. There is a there is an element of 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 blindness that is happening here. Okay. And then you'll notice that he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So now there's two questions here um, that I think we could we could look at. We could look at the question of um, is should should these people, of course, have recognized the light that came into the world as the source? Um, because those who belonged to the light didn't receive the light. He came to his own. 
Why are they his own? Um, well, they're his own because he made them. Right? They belong to him. He, he made them. They were made through him, and so they belong to him. But in another sense also, I think what John is saying is that Jesus came uh, to reach the Jews, and Jesus was a Jew, and he was born to Mary. He was born as one of them. He was one of them. He didn't just appear to be a human being, but he was a human being, and he was a Jew. He was a worshiper of Yahweh. Right, and he comes to them, and uh, they don't receive him. John says he came right to his own; his own people did not receive him. But there's this caveat: to all who did receive him, in other words, uh, some did, some did receive Jesus, and there is a huge promise that those who did were given the right to become children of God. Now, I got to point this out to you because it's a, I think it's a very significant point uh, for, for you and for our own drive to share the good news about Jesus Christ with others, which is this. To those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Right? So, again, we have this contrast right between that which was and that which became. That which was and that which became. And so, even though the world became into existence through him, uh, the one who was was not recognized by them. And then he says, to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become. It's that same verb. And the implication is this. You are not a child of God until you are in Christ. Right? Some people say, hey, we're all God's children. God loves everybody. They're all his children. But the message of John is that you are not a child of God until you believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And when you believe, you are, you are given the right. It's, it's, the word is literally authority. You are given the authority, the, the, the right to become a child of God. And as you become, it's not that you were, it's that you become. And so it, we, we err greatly, I think, to the, to the peril of those who are lost. If we think of the world as if it's full of God's children, Jesus would say, these are people who belong to, to the light, to the logos, to God. They're his creation, but they don't gain the right to become children of God until they believe in Jesus Christ. Those who are lost are not considered children of God. They're children of wrath. They're his enemies. They are opposed to him. They are not children of God. And so the one who became, he was John. God sent him to testify to the one that was, the light that was coming into the world. And to those who received the light that came into the world, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And John has written this whole account of the miracles and the teaching, the life of Jesus Christ, so that, as we saw in John 20, so that you might believe that Jesus is indeed God's anointed one, the, the Messiah, that he is indeed the Son of God, and that by believing in his name, you would have life. 
So we're going to leave it there, I think, a little bit shorter uh, this week, because you need to understand that this light, this light which gives us understanding and truth, the genuine light, not just one of many others, not just one self-help book on the shelf of all other self-help books, but really the means by which you gain the right to become a child of God. And John's going to make it very clear to us. He says, right, we're children of God. That is not because we're born of blood, right? So the Jews uh, believed that uh, the seed of a man joined with the blood of the woman, and then and then it would make a human being. And so you sort of you had this genetic bloodline, like you were Abraham's. Abraham was God's, and 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 then the people who were descended from Abraham uh, were those children. Uh, John is saying that to become a children of God is not through a genetic bloodline. It's not through a genealogy like that. Is that you're not born uh, of the of the will of the flesh. This is like, you're, you're not um, born because someone was in the mood and someone had this desire, this physical desire in their flesh. You're not born because somebody decided that they needed to produce a male heir that, you know, wasn't a, somebody's choice to have a kid like that. He said, that's not how you become a child of God. The way you become a child of God is that God himself does that work. He is the one who causes you to become a child of God. So if you are resting on anything else other than your receiving of the name of Jesus Christ, of him as life, then you are not yet a child of God. So if you're not there, I challenge you even today to stop and to look to God into prayer and say, I believe, if you do indeed believe, that Jesus Christ was and is the Son of God who came into the world. I believe that he was God's Messiah, his chosen one, his anointed uh, king, and that he makes me a child of God by his work. Okay, so you can you can receive that. You believe in the name of Jesus Christ. You take his name upon you. And then God makes you a child of his. Don't count on it because your parents were Christians or your great-granddad was a pastor or because you grew up in America or, or for any other reason. Uh, don't, you, you don't count yourself a child of God because somebody else wants you to believe in Jesus Christ. You are given the right to be a child of God when you recognize that the one who gives life, the one through whom life is, Jesus Christ, uh, he has come and made that way. So um, that's what I have for you this week. We're, we're going to be talking about uh, many other true things. Uh, next week, we'll start into the, the perhaps most one of the most commonly known verses in this passage, the word became flesh. We're going to dig a little bit more deeper into that. But for today, if you are a believer, understand you have become a child of God which is an exceptional and a wonderful thing. It is not true of everyone. It is only true of those who receive Jesus Christ. So if you're on the outside, come on in, join the family, uh, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, call upon him and you will be saved. God bless. We'll see you again here soon. Mm -hmm.